Again, that's a great little intro video. We just finished a great series about generosity. And um, I've had some really good conversations with many of you about what generosity looks like for you. And if you're visiting today and you came in and you saw that we already have Christmas trees up in the foyer, that is the result of our uh, series on generosity in October. And, and that's a, a challenge to be generous this Christmas. And if you haven't yet, you may still take an ornament off of that tree. And the, the challenge is simple, that you, you write down a need or a, a, um, a service maybe or something in the community. Maybe you, you want to be generous with the time you have. And so you're going to write down that I'm going to go to the downtown rescue mission and my family's going to serve 40 hours working at the rescue mission or something like that. So it's not, it's not just a monetary thing. It's, it's about generosity with your time. It is about generosity with, with looking at your Christmas budget, planning now to do something really cool uh, by, by a less is more kind of mentality. And so if you'd love to talk more about that later, I would, I would love to have that conversation. But I've had several conversations about what generosity looks like to a lot of you. And I'm really excited to see on December, the first Sunday in December, when you bring those ornaments back and we'll hang them back on those trees to, to really see uh, what God's doing in your life and to share that. So as I was working on this sermon series, though, for this year, I thought that a good transition coming out of a series on generosity would be to show how we are blessed or how we can be blessed. And I'm excited to say that throughout November and this season where we kind of pause to give thanks and, and to think about the things we're thankful for. I'm going to be preaching through the Beatitudes each week. I'm going to preach on two of the Beatitudes and how when we apply them to our lives, we will be blessed. And this, this whole series, if you're, if you're trendy and you put things on Twitter and Instagram about the church, this is hashtag blessed. Apparently that's kind of a cool thing these days is hashtag. When I grew up, it was a number sign. Uh, I don't know where that changed, but I want to be hip too, so hashtag blessed is this series. I'm really excited about it because I think we indeed will be blessed when we really look at God's Word and figure out how we can apply it to our lives. But then I got to thinking, and this is a dangerous thing. I was thinking all by myself without supervision. <laughs> Suppose we were to come up with a set of Beatitudes for today's culture, for what we see around us. I mean, what if we made a list of the kinds... Uh, of people who seem to be well off, who seem to have it made by today's standards, the, what the, the culture would consider blessed, not necessarily what, con, what Christians would consider blessed. I think it might go something like this. Blessed are the rich and famous because they can always get a seat at the best restaurants. Blessed are the good looking. Thank you. Uh, for they shall be on the cover of People magazine. Oh, I missed that one. Blessed are those who party, for they know how to have fun. Blessed are those who take first place in the division, for they shall have momentum going into the playoffs. That's, if you sports fans, you like the sports ball. Blessed are the movers and shakers, for they shall make a name for themselves. Blessed are those who demand their rights, for they shall not be overlooked. Another way to say that one is, is the squeaky wheel gets greased. You know, bless the squeaky wheel. Blessed are the healthy and the fit, because they don't mind being seen in a bathing suit. <laughs> 
<laughs> it could be, be one. Blessed are those who make it to the top because they get to look down on everyone else. I'm sure that if we put our heads together this morning, we could go on and on with, with a worldly version of the Beatitudes and the things that we see in our offices and in our schools. But then I was, I was looking into the interwebs about the Beatitudes and looking for some illustrations and stuff, and someone actually came up with a series of Beatitudes that they called Satan's Beatitudes. And, and it is directed at Christians and people. And I thought, ooh, there's something. The first one is, blessed are those who are too tired, too busy, too distracted to spend even an hour once a week with their fellow Christians. They are my best workers. Blessed are those Christians who wait to be asked and expect to be thanked. I can use them. Blessed are the touchy who stop going to church, for they are my missionaries. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they shall be called my children. Blessed are the complainers, for their complaints are music to my ears. Blessed are those who keep a list of the preacher's mistakes, for they get nothing out of his sermons. I did not write these, by the way. <laughs> Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church, for he is part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are those who gossip, for they shall cause strife and division, and that pleases me. Blessed are those who are easily offended, for they will soon get angry and quit. Blessed are those who do not give generously, but require much. They will drain a church. I don't know about you, but some of those I didn't really like. But that's how Satan sees our role. He's not offended by someone who shows up for a little while and then goes on about their week and does something totally opposite of what we've done here this morning. That's encouraging to him. We're not a threat to Satan until we walk out of here and live a hashtag blessed life based on what Jesus has taught us through the Beatitudes. And I don't know about you, but I choose the original Beatitudes over the ones that I just shared with you. I think that we all, we have all we need from them. Some people, though, even Christians, they read the Sermon on the Mount and they think, well, that's easy for Jesus to say. He's, he's the Son of God. He never had to face the things we face today. The, the Beatitudes just aren't relevant for us anymore. There's people that believe that. I want to set it up for you this way. Jesus has come to a place in his life before he shares these Beatitudes with people where he has been baptized by John the Baptist. And he's been confirmed by God the Father. God said at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit comes down onto Jesus like a dove. And God says from the heavens, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He has given Jesus authority, his authority. And then Jesus went out immediately after that. He went out and he spent 40 days and fasted and prayed in the wilderness. And then he was tempted by Satan. He came from there. And he has, called, he has come to a place where he has called some of his disciples. He's called Simon Peter. He's called Andrew. He's called James and John, the sons of thunder, simply by saying to them, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they've walked away from their businesses. They've walked away from their families to follow Jesus. And he went around with these men up to this point. He went around. The Bible says they went and Jesus taught in the synagogues throughout Galilee proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and healing every kind of disease and sickness. The Bible tells us that the, the news about Jesus had spread throughout all Syria and that people brought to Jesus all who were sick and suffering. 
with all kinds of disease, with pain, epilepsy, people that were paralyzed. He was even healing people that were demon-possessed. Jesus has a lot of people following him right now. And Matthew tells us that people follow Jesus everywhere. I tell you all of that to tell you this. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, what Jesus shares, are directly related to the people that have been spending time with him and the things that they were going through in their life. I want you to think about the people that Jesus interacted with in Matthew chapter 4 as we study through the Beatitudes, and I believe that we will see what it really means to be blessed. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, starting with verse 1. You're, every Sunday, we're going to read all the Beatitudes, and then I'm going to go back and, and break down the couple that I want to focus on. Verse 1 says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is in heaven is great. Excuse me, your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Each week in November, we're going to take a closer look at the Beatitudes and what they mean for us today. The goal of this series is that as individuals, we'll begin to reflect the blessings that are shared with us as we strive to go to win others for Christ and commit to grow in His Word and His ways. Now, I want to go back to verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, He went up on the mountain, and after He sat down, His disciples came to Him. I think one of the things that draws me to the Sermon on the Mount is where it was preached. He, it's exciting to me because the Bible says Jesus had already been in synagogues teaching. He'd been in villages sharing. But here the Sermon on the Mount wasn't preached in a synagogue. It wasn't preached in a temple. It wasn't preached in someone's house. It was preached on a mountaintop. And neither should the preaching of the Word today be confined to a building. Jesus' first recorded sermon is preached from the mountaintop. And let me tell you something. Don't you ever let His Word die in this building. We come here to worship and to be challenged and to hear the Word. And when we leave here, my prayer is that there is someone in your life or that you'll come across someone in the week that you will share the good news of Jesus Christ with every week because of something you heard here. Don't let these words die in this room. Go Find your mountain and reflect our Savior to others. So at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, and here is where Jesus began. Uh, by the way, the word Beatitudes means happy. It, it, the Beatitudes of Jesus contain the program, if you will, in just using a few words of how to be happy in this life and in eternity and prepare ourselves for eternity before each beatitude he said blessed are they blessed is 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 blessed are they is the same as saying happy are they 
Happy are they. Everyone wants to be happy. Is there anyone here who just wants to be angry? Anyone? Sometimes people think I just want to be angry. I really don't. It's, it's something I struggle with. It comes out real easy for me. But I don't want to be angry. I want to be happy. Everybody wants to be blessed. We want to be blessed with, with money. Look at how many people bought into the last Powerball lottery. It was crazy. I had a buddy of mine that was actually just driving to Tennessee, not for a ticket, but he was actually going to get chicken. Um, <laughs> Hattie B's hot fried chicken is just that good. And, and he told me, he was, he was like, on the day of the lottery, he said, I was just driving to meet somebody in Nashville to have chicken and have lunch. And he said the exits starting at Ardmore and, and, and they just, they were backed up. Like people were, were backed up on the median to, to get into these gas stations and these places. As he drove closer to Nashville, he said they were just farther and farther backed up. And it was amazing how many people. So we want to be blessed with money. If, if you threw money at me right now, even if it was pennies and quarters, I promise I wouldn't throw it back at you. All right. We, we want to be blessed with money. We want to be blessed with power, with fame. Look at what we see on TV. We want to be blessed in our marriages, I hope, and with our families. We want to be blessed in business. I believe that right here in the Beatitudes is the way to find true happiness now and forever. And it starts out when Jesus saw the crowd that was following him. He went up on the mountain. He opened his mouth and he taught them. And the first thing he says to these people that he is healed, that he is that he is blessed, that he has done something for. The first thing he says is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So what does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to be poor in spirit? I think we should start with the opposite of this beatitude. If you, if you went opposite of this, it would read something like, woe to those that are proud of what they have, for they shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You see, being poor is not the way to be happy as far as the world is concerned. Uh, as a matter of fact, someone has figured up a four-word formula for happiness according to our culture. And these four words, they were even made into a little jingle for a reality TV show where the winner gets a job. I don't know what kind of game that is. <laughs> Who wants to win that? <laughs> oh, you want a job. Uh, where I grew up, that was, it was called an interview. But <laughs> reality, the show was called The Apprentice. Uh, you've heard of it, I'm sure. But these four words, they were the title, they were in the jingle for the song. It was money, 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 money. That was it. And that, that was for like four or five years, primetime TV. Even if you were just flipping through the channels, everybody in America at some point heard money, money, money money and some people would even hum it throughout the day there it is do you do you want to be happy the world says all you need is money 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 many years ago there was a retired man and he wrote a little journal entry that indicated he had found true happiness in material things he said i receive 800 dollars a month and i have a wood-burning stove and enough wood to last throughout every winter is I give 10% of my $800 to the Lord, and I am happy. He's found happiness in money. Not in the same way the world says you'd have happiness in money, but he is way ahead of the materialistic game that our world plays. Seems like our world sums up. Success. 
I guess is the right word. When they say things like, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But Jesus said, blessed are they who are poor in spirit. He didn't say, blessed are they who are poor in pocket. He didn't say that. As far as, he didn't say, blessed are they who are poor as far as your finances are concerned, or blessed are they who can't make the next car payment, or blessed are they who can't make the next house payment, or blessed are they who are behind on rent. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who have no spiritual resources they can depend on in themselves. Blessed are they who have no preconceived ideas about how to be saved, but are willing to listen to the word of God and do what God says, not what man says in the way of salvation. You see, such people who say, speak, Lord, your servant hears you. But then there are other people who say, listen, Lord, your servant speaks at you. The poor in spirit are the ones who say, speak, Lord, your servant hears. And when he speaks, we act. When the Lord speaks, it's time to stop our thinking and listen to God's word. And Jesus is saying here, blessed are they who are spiritually bankrupt on your own. These are the people who know they don't deserve anything and who know if they depend on their own devices, they're going to go straight to hell. Blessed are the poor in spirit. These are the people who know and admit their righteousness outside of Christ is equal to filthy rags. Blessed are the poor in spirit. They're like Paul when he writes in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. Look at this. Paul writes this. And I think it's a great picture of poor in spirit. He says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value. And this is the key of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That, my friends, is a great example of what it is to be poor in spirit. Paul, of all people, could have bragged about a lot of things. Paul survived and did a lot of things. God did a lot of things through him. But he says, outside of Christ, everything I have, I consider rubbish. My own uh, um, accolades, my own achievements, Paul says, those are, those are rubbish outside of Christ. They mean nothing. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a great example of what it means to live your life being poor in spirit and blessed by God. And then Jesus says this, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Are you kidding me? From a worldly standpoint, from our culture today, of things that, that just was never, more, uh, never a more stupid statement ever made than blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are they that mourn. The world would say blessed are they that laugh. No one ever tells you it's good to mourn. Stand-up comics are knocking themselves out trying to get people to laugh. The late-night programs, they're all dedicated to laughing. They, the host that can make people laugh the loudest and the most can command income of astronomical figures. It's crazy 
what some of these guys made as they were Johnny Carson and David Letterman and Jay Leno and even these newer guys. Um, the late night shows, all for the sake of getting people to laugh at somebody or at something. But if you're the butt of the joke, it's just not funny. But these guys are making millions. But according to, to this sermon that, that Jesus is preaching, our Savior says the opposite. He said, blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, we need to be aware that, that Jesus didn't mean that we're going to be happy when we mourn over the death of a family member or the loss of a job or over the news of getting a disease. But to get real specific and probably start stepping on some of your toes, Jesus was speaking about mourning over our sin. It's, it's natural to mourn over bad news. But do you really mourn over your sin? Have you mourned over your sin lately? Not to dwell on it and, and go back to, oh, when I was 12, I stole a piece of candy and I'm such a bad person. And I, That's what I'm talking about. That was a life lesson where hopefully your parents said, hey, it's not good to steal. They made you go back and pay for the candy. It's, there's something similar to that in all of our stories. But have you mourned over your sin? Some of you need to mourn over some things that only you know about. Maybe you need to mourn over your secret addiction. Maybe you need to mourn over your drug addiction. Maybe you need to mourn over your liquor addiction, your, your nicotine addiction. Maybe you need to be mourning over your gossip and your deceitful ways. Maybe you need to be mourning over the ways you treat the people you work with. Maybe you need to be mourning over your anger, your greed. When Jesus says, blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted, this is a mourning that brings about repentance, that brings about change in how we live our life. I don't want you to, to dwell on the mistakes of your past. But I think too often we flippantly approach the throne of Christ and we just, dear Jesus, I'm sorry that I did that. I ask for your forgiveness. Thank you. And we move on. Because Scripture says that when we ask forgiveness, God gives it and then it's removed from us. That, that sin is removed from us as far as the east is to the west. But I think sometimes we don't we don't mourn a little bit for the mistakes that we make. I say that because, myself included, we go back and make those same mistakes. When you really mourn something, that is not something you want to carry with you. You want to get away from it. If you think of your sins as you should think of them, it will not be long until you cry out with the Apostle Paul, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death. That's the kind of mourning that was done on the day of Pentecost. When the first gospel sermon was preached, the audience, the Bible says in Acts, that they were, they were pricked in their hearts and they cried, Men and brothers, what shall we do? And Peter told them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Blessed are they that mourn indeed. He was preaching to the audience that were the some of the same people that said, Crucify him. And they said, what have we done and how do we fix it? He said, you mourn over that mistake. And while you're at it, you might try mourning over the condition of our country. Maybe we need to mourn over some of the spiritual garbage that we allow into our homes on television or mourn over the millions of babies that have been slaughtered for abortion. 
There's no end of things that we need to be mourning about, but, but also take action to. I believe that when we mourn these things, and, and for, for everybody's going to mourn something different, but when we mourn these things, when we truly mourn over our individual spiritual condition, realizing what we are and what we are not, that's when we become poor in spirit. When we truly mourn, when we give that over to God, and then he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Those two verses just go together because that's part of God's plan. He wants you to come away from whatever's got you. And when we realize our shortcomings, when we realize our sin, when we mourn them rather than justify them, See, the reason accountability doesn't always work well is because we go to our accountability partner and we go, hey, I did this this week. And our accountability partner goes, hey, it's okay. We all make mistakes. And really, you'd be like, no, it's not okay. Stop doing that. You need to be mourning over that. You need to be changing and moving away from that. When we realize our shortcomings, when we realize our sin and we mourn over them rather than justify them or just glance at them like they aren't that big of a deal, we will be comforted by God. And in our comfort, we will realize that we really are poor in spirit. And the kingdom of heaven is ours. And we will indeed be blessed because of what Christ has done for us. This morning, as we come to our response time, I would like to ask you to consider what it is that you should mourn in your life. Look at what you need to give up or let go so that you can become poor in spirit. Maybe for you, the first step in the process is baptism for the forgiveness of your sins to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit according to God's word, not according to what man has said. Maybe you'd like for the elders to pray with you about what this would look like for you to to mourn or to move away from something. The elders are here. They'd love to pray with you this morning. But as we stand and sing our response song, will you consider these things? Will you stand and sing with us and consider how you can respond to God's word? It's been great to be here with you all today and uh, to, to worship with you, to pray with you, to challenge you with God's word. But now it's time to go. It's time for us to go to win and commit to grow. As you do that this week, as you go, go knowing there's nothing you will go through that Jesus doesn't understand. And when he says to you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want you to understand what you stand to gain in heaven is far better than what you stand to lose here on earth when you give up yourself and become poor in spirit. And when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, consider this week what it looks like to truly mourn over some of the things that maybe are separating you from the love and grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in your quiet time of repentance this week, you will indeed be comforted and realize that you truly are blessed. Will you sing this last song with us?